Welcome to Standout, where you're going to hear from some exceptional entrepreneurs. You'll learn what steps they took to get them where they are and what you can do to make your mark. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan, with CherylTanMedia.com. You can find the episodes and the show notes all in one place at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. Sign up for my newsletter there and get media strategies I only share with readers. Thanks to the incredible entrepreneurs who have agreed to talk with me about the steps they took to grow their businesses. I know you appreciate their honesty through emails I receive. The best way to get their stories in front of more people is to subscribe to and review the show on iTunes. If you have ever had an idea for a must-have product, then this episode is for you. Jane Birdwell created a solution for a problem she saw while hosting parties for her friends and family. The result... Table Vogue, fitted table covers. Her background in marketing and advertising came in very handy, but she compares her business journey with jumping hurdles, lots of ups and downs. She shares the things she wished she had known before creating a product, obtaining a patent, and forging smart partnerships. And you'll want to stick around to the very end because she shares some exclusive company news with standout listeners about the direction of Table Vogue. Enjoy the show. Jane Birdwell, it is a pleasure having you on Standout. I'm excited to hear about your story. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is all ours. So welcome to Table Vogue. Oh, I love it. And you are sitting in headquarters for Table Vogue in Florida. And for those who don't know what Table Vogue is, talk to us about what the company is and why you decided to start it. Sure. Well, I am... Um... I guess I'm blessed that my house is the house where everybody likes to gather. And I have two boys, and so um, they're both very blessed with big friendship circles. So it, it was not uncommon that um, I'd end up with 20 or something for dinner. And I'm like, where am I going to put? It happens on a regular occasion. And um, so I was constantly using these plastic folding tables as a way for – extra guest seating or serving or makeshift bars, not for the kids, but for the adults that were tagging along. And I was surprised that, you know, I needed a cover to kind of disguise. I would never ask my friends to sit at a plastic table. It's just not kind of how we roll here in Florida. And I was kind of creating makeshift solutions that were less than perfect. And for most of my professional life, I've spent in marketing and advertising and so one day after this kept happening over and over, I came to my team here and said, hey, I think I want to do a little market research. So we kind of treated Table Vogue, which didn't have a name at the time, as one of our clients. And we put it through the traditional rigors that we would any other client. And every question we asked, the answers just kept coming back. Just, you know, it, it was everything was directing that we might have a business here. And I was convinced that if I needed it as a mom and as a working professional that other women would need it too. We have a lot of male clients, but mainly women love Table Vogue and we love them. I love your story. So you saw a problem and it sounded like you had a pretty good thing going before you started this business. So there was something that was reaching out to you about this need. And how easy was it to take your idea and the market research and turn it into what you have today? And you didn't say it, but but what you've created with Table Vogue, for folks who can't see you in the showroom, is you've created fitted table covers. So they're, they're tailored. So um, it is something beautiful 
that you cover your plastic tables with, but they won't blow away in the wind, which I think is really critical. But how easy was it for you? Or how not? Um, <laughs> when I talk about it, it sounds remarkably easy because, you know, you have this way to bury all the pain. So when we started and the research came back that really this product did not exist, um, we started looking around and we obviously looked at our competitors and what was out there. And everything in the tablecloth channel is basically a draper throw outside of a spandex kind of. So I'm definitely not the first person to recognize the problem um, because people have tried to solve it with Velcro and adhesives and zippers and buttons. And it just nothing is really stuck. So we had this nice idea to um, design it in a way that you could, you didn't need those pens and clips and weights and ties and all of these crazy ways. So really the opportunity was to change this complete category. I mean, we're disrupting this very staid category called table linens and a fitted table cover did not exist before table vote. And so certainly as that mom looking for a solution to my backyard, you know, problem, I could have bought a trade show kind of drape and they were mainly like commercial, mm -hmm. commercially mm -hmm. available, but it would not solve the solution that I was looking for. So, you know, this is when the recover the economy was just kind of bouncing back and things were still very rocky. And so, um, you know, we made a bold statement that we were going to make something remarkably better because mostly four corners square sewed is very inexpensive. And so the fabrics were being outsourced overseas. And so things were not made very well. And so we felt like there was a huge opportunity to offer women like myself a value proposition with a better cover, better fit, better performance, and certainly better style. And so we went for it. Do you sew? Did you make that first prototype using needle and thread in your own home? Do you know that I was very blessed to have a young woman who worked for me at the time that is an amazing designer and stylist. And truthfully, I had the idea a little bit, you know, rumbling around. But if Jenny had not worked for me at the time, um, no, the joke about me is I can see it. But I man, I struggle with a button on a shirt. So no, not a seamstress. But I know where to find really good ones. Right. And so right. we did that. So Jenny and I um, started sketching out this design. We had a prototype made locally by a seamstress. And then I did something that, you know, I recommend for all entrepreneurs. You get your closest friends who are really tough people, like, that will tell you the truth. Right. And sometimes friends have a trouble doing that. And then you get strangers, people that you know kind of at a distance and you just invite them over and you tell your story and you say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And you listen to the feedback. And, you know, a lot of times people say, don't do it. And you've certainly got to listen to your gut. Um, everyone that we showed the prototype either had the idea themselves, like it had been something you know, they had struggled, um, or they said, you should absolutely go for this. So mm -hmm. we got a lot of confidence, mm -hmm. but we started small. We, we only made a few sizes to the most popular sizes. We've grown a lot since then. Absolutely. In the Absolutely. last three years, I know you have. This is an interesting point when we're talking about exclusivity. So as you mentioned, your friends would say, oh, I had that idea. What a great idea. So people have the idea. Do you have a patent is maybe the next question. We did an interview on episode two of Standout with Teresa Denham. She's the founder of Spirit Fingers. And she had these this idea to create... Um, 
little pom-poms on the end of gloves for inexpensive spirit wear, and she got a patent. And and that's changed the tra- trajectory of her career as licensing, licensing has. And I know we're going to talk about licensing in a little bit. But what is your take on patenting? And were you able to get one for designs for Table Vogue? And how important has that been for the growth of your brand? Um, it's a great question. And, and I was convinced, and, uh, and again, my story is my story. So I don't want any of my obstacles or, you know, stumbling blocks to prevent someone else. But I am also a realist and I've been in a grown up business world for a long time. And I would tell you that if I wasn't able to get the patent, if I hadn't sensed early on that this was something that we could own, it would have meant creating a great idea for people who were well entrenched. Um, There are major table linen wholesalers out there that are much further along than we are. And so I would have been handing them uh, a great idea. And so for me, from a business proposition, the patent was a make or break situation. So everything up until us knowing that we had IP in our corner um, was just really kind of, we were just testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Once we had mm-hmm. the patent in hand, we said, we have a business now, we're going for it. And you have to realize that even in the four years, the whole landscape of e-commerce has changed so much. Every day it changes. So we really have rode the wave of this whole e-commerce kind of emergent. It hasn't really been around. I mean, it's been around for a long time, but not in the way that individuals like me can take advantage of open source shopping carts and all of these amazing measurement tools so that you can get insights into your customer's behavior. And I love the Spirit Finger Um, story because we do a ton of business in the tailgate sector Mm -hmm. and she is an example of a great idea that you know any of us who have been cheerleaders you know spirit fingers I mean it was just great it's a really cute idea so I I really marvel at the fact of what she's created as well she's remarkable I'll introduce you to her definitely (laughs) very similar (laughs) so you have the idea you have the patent then you need to get other people uh, in love with your product other than your friends and close strangers. What did you do then? How did you get people to fall in love and I guess be your evangelists for this product? So we had our shopping cart live and here's where I could have used a little, you know, girlfriend whisper that says, Hey, you know, you don't know what you're in for because I, you know, felt like, okay, we have this great product and people are buying it and people love it. I mean, it's, it's not a table cover. You have to understand that we're part of people's most intimate connections, you know, these memories, these events that they're sharing. So, you know, we really see ourselves as joy, not, you know, a table cover. So I just, you know, thought I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to get these buyers and they're going to just say, wow, where have you been? Well, basically, um, I should have Googled, like, what will you expect when calling them? <laughs> um, you know, it's pretty fierce. I just, there is a lot of unnecessary roughness for people like me trying to penetrate from the outside, and rightfully so. I mean, now that I've been doing this a while, um, I understand why buyers are the way they are, um, because I bear, I, I am the face of every failed deal that they've ever had before, you know, and so that's just the fact of the matter. So buyers are very hard to get on the phone. Um, I was not in a position 
you know, we did decide, as you said at the beginning, to bootstrap this and live off of our sales, which is a pretty brave thing to do. Um, and so I wasn't in a position financially to just go and call on people. And um, I, I ended up doing that a couple of times. And it was a remarkable experience. But um, getting a buyer on the phone, no matter how many times you've perfected your pitch and you have it, you just can never be totally prepared for that conversation. And it's almost always not going to go the way <laughs> that you want it to go. It's very, very difficult. Right. It's very difficult. Right. Sounds I mean, pretty I'm discouraging. Living... Yeah, no, it, it is. So are you saying then that Table Vogue is certainly an online store? So I can go to your website, tablevogue.com, and purchase um, one of your Table Vogues. Um, but is it in stores? Is it, is there, is were you able to make that partnership work? I did. I just want to, for the people listening, I just, I wish somebody would have told me how hard it would be because if you, if you have three calls in a row that are just pretty tragic, it would really, you would really ask yourself, you know, what, what are we going to be? I'm just not wired that way. I'm like that Chumbawamba song, you know, you get knocked down, you get back up again or whatever. Um, and so, yes, we were able to make it work, but the conversations would go when I got a live body on the call, uh, it's a tablecloth, big whoop. Yeah. I mean, I literally had a buyer say that and I was like, no, it's not, this is what it is. And then they would say, so you just teach yourself that, you know, if they're still breathing on the other end to pitch. And so, yes, we, we needed to test the product because again, the economy was just kind of coming back around. We needed big retail partners to test volume. We needed to know because we didn't have the money to just go out and tell the world. And I will tell you that even if I had unlimited resources, getting the world to come to your shopping cart is very difficult. It's, it's, it's not easy today for us to do that. We work at it every day. And so you have to have retail partners. So we were very fortunate. Um, we were picked up by Bed Bath & Beyond at the very beginning. Um, Amazon quickly followed suit. Once Amazon loves you, then that automatically eliminates a lot of retailers because they don't want to compete with Amazon. Wish somebody would have told me that. So be careful, you know, Amazon, you need them. Um, but the, it comes with, you know, a price. It's <laughs> shown, yeah. And the price is really, really steep. So we got picked up by a great catalog company called Grand and Road, which is part of the Cornerstone family brands, Front Gates, you know, sister product. That was huge for us. And uh, then all of a sudden, the volume just went from, hey, we have an idea to, wow, we have a company. And it was very, I mean, it was boom. And then, you know, you have the inventory issues and all of those things. You're getting press. And so, you know, then you're dealing with those. I think that if you hurdle, you know, if you run hurdles in high school, that's a really good precursor for being an entrepreneur because it's all about, you know, what's today's little obstacle and how are we going to get over it? I think you said, you said it so perfectly where you're ramping up your, you want all of this. You want all the people in your shopping cart. You want to get the deals with the partners. You want the press and then it happens. <laughs> and it's like, oh my goodness, be careful what you wish for. What would you tell entrepreneurs who are in that ramp up phase, who are maybe where you were a couple of years ago, where you want the media, you want all that positive mojo. You want people to know who you are. You want to be in all the stores. How would you help them with best practices? Um, partners, partnerships, tell it all, would you? <laughs> I, I mean, I would tell them so many things, but the biggest thing is that 
you know, once you land the call and you get the deal, um, the, the onboarding process for that deal to become live for you to be on their website or in their stores or whatever deal you've constructed is going to take a lot longer than you expect. Um, it's going to take six months. It's going to take seven months. I mean, it, it's, it's a painfully long waiting time. And so, um, I think as, as an entrepreneur, you always have to have more money than you think you need at all times, which sounds so easy, but it is precarious. And again, we decided that we would live off of our sales and not borrow money because I just knew that I was in an industry that I needed to learn a lot about. And um, it's a manufacturing business, so it's people, humans, making a real product. And, you know, things like um, holidays and you know, storms and they are real issues that can stop production. And so you kind of have to think about all of those things. Um, and inventory is very tricky. You know, where we benefited from, again, a down economy. So our manufacturers were willing to sew on demand. So I didn't need a warehouse full of products, but also my products don't expire. So it's okay if, you know, they need to sit a little bit longer. Right. Right. No, that's very important. <laughs> We want to talk about licensing and how that has helped you making those types of relationships and what exactly licensing means in this industry where you don't have NFL, the NBA, or, or do you? <laughs> Maybe that's the kind of licensing deal you're talking about. <laughs> I'd like to do that licensing One day. Deal. One day, Jane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the sports side of our conversation with our product type with Table Vogue is very, very valuable. And so um, it, it's definitely a conversation that we're excited to have. So for licensing, for us, we could see that the customer who bought us and loved us were also um, managers of the local hotels or worked at the country club. And so you began seeing the commercial application and the calls would come in and they would say, can we buy this in bulk, you know, instead of buying two or three, which is another big benefit. People, I can count on my one hand, like single orders, mostly people buy two or three of them. So it's great for us. Now it was, can I buy 20 of them? You know, and we're like, wow, this is incredible. So, um, that type of business likes for trucks to pull up and deliver product. And I knew that we really weren't in a position to do that. So, um, and I needed sales reps to go out and call on those clients to expand that business. So I began researching who the biggest, you know, players were in that field. And I called Bunzel USA, which are one of the largest food distributors to and product distributors to the commercial, the hospitality side of the house. And they have this great boutique division called Food Handler that was able to quickly onboard our product and got really excited about our product. And so for me as a business owner, I kind of thought that X percent of this business would be an easier way to earn that business than doing it ourselves. I just felt like time and money. So I did an exclusive licensing agreement with that company for the host, for the hospitality side of the business. And we are great partners. I work for them on their behalf for PR and to help them storytell and um, help to get their manufacturing up and running. They kind of stepped in or using our manufacturer. So it, it was awesome. Um, you're the first person I'm telling publicly about a second licensing deal we did. Um, I hope they don't get mad at me. 
It's pretty close now, though. Um, Party City wow. is creating a disposable version of Table Vogue because we just um, got so many requests for um, a cheaper version of what we have in fabric. Um, because, you know, when you're trying to cover tables at your kid's baseball concession, you might not want to use the fabric. And uh, so Party City loved Table Vogue, and we're, it's Piva, that kind of plasticky, great flannel-backed um, fabrication, and that is definitely an overseas play. And again, I just felt like that was a lot of time and money as an individual um, that I, I just was not going to be able to pull off. And so the conversation with Party City was delightful. And, you know, outside of their 900 stores, they're rolling out with all the colors that you could imagine. They supply over 10,000 independent party stores, which is a part of their business that I don't think people know. So if you don't have a party sitting in your town, then, you know, Cheryl's Party Supplies is probably supported by Party City. So needless to say, um, we're super excited about that project and it rolls out late summer. Um, so it will be just in time for school colors for tailgate season. And, um, so I'm, I'm really just very blessed. So that's left me this runway of exactly where I started with the consumer, this very important woman and these businesses that she runs. And so we're excited about that. And I'm eyeing a partnership in that lane even, because again, for me, it's all about, we know we have a winner. Um, we know we have real IP. The patent is fantastic. It covers the functional use of the cover as well. That's great. So we know we That's have great. a winner. So it's about now, you know, finding out if, if a couple of other partnerships are going to really make it worthwhile or we're going to continue to grow because so we have a very healthy company. I own 100% of it. We don't have any outside debt. So, you know, we've been able to um, do it in spite of all. In spite of meanness. Jane, <laughs> congratulations. What an amazing development for your company. And it it puts you in your lane, but with wings, right? <laughs> if you're thinking about like the tree and the branches and all, congratulations. Um, so 100% owner. And while it's great now in 2016, I imagine it wasn't so easy maybe in 2012 and 2013 what is your take on entrepreneurship? What are, what are some things that you thought about being an entrepreneur, uh, that didn't turn out to be such now that um, you are in it four years, five years? You know, I think I've been a serial entrepreneur. So I've certainly worked for very large corporations. I worked for, uh, Turner and NBC and I've kind of a, um, a kind of an interesting background getting here and I'm old. So, you know, with age comes a little bit of wisdom where, you know, you, I don't really ever think of myself as an entrepreneur. I definitely just think of myself as a business owner and I don't own a hundred percent of it because that's something that, you know, I'm entrenched and it's just right now it makes constructing deals easier. And again, I've just picked a path that, um, I didn't start this business as a hobby business. I mean, I kind of realized that we have something that can scale quickly. Now it's all about taking what I've learned in the past and knowing what is kind of impossible and then really picking the right partners and rewarding them with our hard work and saying, look, you do something so much better than I can do. 
And I think that I would say to entrepreneurs, and again, um, you know, with Shark Tank, everybody, all entrepreneurs watch Shark Tank. And I definitely recommend that they should because you see different business personalities. And some of them are just like so tied to it's theirs, you know, and, and they can't let go of it. And, uh, you know, I have two beautiful kids. This Table Vogue is not my children. It's not. It's a business. And so what I want to do is construct the most valuable partnerships with people that I really enjoy. Uh, the two that I have now are amazing. The third and fourth that I'm eyeing, I just, I've loved them. They've helped me as an entrepreneur and they don't even know it. Um, great leadership, great. Um, and so for me, it's all about how can I scale and get kind of the monkey off my back of some of the things that I know are going to be the hardships that they can just do so much better than, than I can do personally. Like expanding fabric selections even, you know, that's, that's a big deal. I think just like you saw an opportunity when you were having all the house parties at your house. I think if entrepreneurs are listening to this, they should be hearing that you're looking to scale. And if they can solve some of your problems, then you might have a real reason to listen to them. That's all. I just kind of, I think that because I see that you're, you're trying to grow to something bigger. Maybe we'll see you on Shark Tank one day, but whatever it is that there's a real opportunity. And so I think if you are a business owner or an entrepreneur, it's something that you can really listen to if, if you're listening to you closely, that they can really get something out of. Um, I think to you about the entrepreneurs, I think that you have to be really honest with yourself and I, okay. So if you're creating a product that already exists out there, it's going to be very, very difficult to get. I mean, you're going to have to do something remarkably different. Um, I'm, I created something that did not exist before. That was equally a hard story. So no matter which pathway that you're traveling, you know, the journey is going to be whatever it's going to be. But I just want to say to people and let them know that, you know, get the protection. I mean, like really try to focus your business on something that gives you either an extreme competitive edge because it is brutal. And I did not know that people... I mean, I would have a great introductory call with someone and then they were literally, it would be like crickets and I would go, wow, I wonder what happened. And then I would circle back, you know, eventually and they'd say, you know what, Jane, we just wanted to deal with one of our regular vendors. Well, the product didn't exist and I'm the only one that can make it. So, you know, they end up having to come back around, but people just right now, the system is wired to prevent people with great product ideas from getting to that next level. It's not impossible because I'm living proof of it, but it's very, very difficult. So if you're making something that already exists, it's going to be difficult. You're getting a real, real solid value proposition. And if you're doing something new, you know, you have to really do a good job of, of telling your story. And certainly our website looks a lot different than other table cover companies, which we're seeing a shift to, which is kind of funny. We like to take a little credit for that. So again, we don't really see ourselves as a table cover company, we see ourselves as part of, you know, someone's birthday or anniversary or, you know, baby christening celebration, uh, you know, in their home or at the venue of their choice. Yeah, well, it's a lifestyle <laughs> brand. That's for sure. Something that helps you enjoy your life a little bit more. Love, love your story and really love the story behind your company. Uh, we'd like to talk about habits because I'd love to hear about this on your end. You've got a lot on your plate, two kids, this growing business, you're scaling, you've got partnerships all over the place. What keeps you on track 
something that you do, <laughs> maybe it's a person, uh, something that you do daily or weekly, regularly that helps you on your, your journey to success? Um, this is pretty funny. And, uh, <laughs> we have, it's funny you asked that quick because I really wouldn't have thought about this until you just asked it, but we, um, we just all as a team made a commitment that something amazing had to happen every week, you know, like at the beginning, mm -hmm. like we, um, we would not like it. So we dubbed Fridays, Hail Mary Friday, like as in Hail Mary passing like, and I'm Catholic. I don't know. You know, it's just, it became Hail Mary Friday. I would not leave until something remarkable happened, you know, whatever we were chasing at the moment. And so thank goodness Fridays became Mondays. The last best news we got was this week on a Monday. So, you know, we're past that now, but it was really funny because I think as, um, you know, whatever type triple A personality I am, which is probably pretty obvious or whatever, um, you know, we, we have a lot of high expectations and I think you have to really appreciate the small wins. And so there's a great new program like yours that's called follow the leader. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. other night I was watching it and it was the creator of Birchbox. And, you know, it helped me appreciate that with all of her millions of dollars of funding, we're doing the exact same thing she's doing in the office. So it's very hard when you're in the middle of it to appreciate what you're trying to do on a national and global scale. And so, you know, constructing the deals that we've constructed so far, I'm really proud of. But, you know, I just feel like you have to have goals if everything is not going your way and continues to not go your way. It's just, it's telling you something that you really need to listen to. And that's very hard for entrepreneurs because we're usually driven by passion and we're usually super competitive and we usually just want things that we want. So, you know, I think that there are signs everywhere and you really need to listen to them. But for us, it was all about the small wins because when you have a big win on a Friday, it really motivates you to come back in on Monday. Right. For sure, for sure. I heard someone say that entrepreneurship is just the greatest equalizer because you're doing the same thing as many other entrepreneurs are doing, as many entrepreneurs who are just starting are doing, and you're all trying to reach some sort of finish line. Um, hopefully, it's a you know in a successful way, um, but it equalizes all of us. That's been that's really great. Um, before I say goodbye and thank you for being a part of our show, I just have one last question, and I ask this of everybody is what makes you a standout? Oh, um, well, I definitely, I don't think we're standout yet. I think we're close, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I definitely, I think we'll be a standout when I can use everything from my, you know, professional life and marketing and advertising and our ultimate success with what we're trying to do with Table Vogue to help other entrepreneurs, um, like to do what you're doing right now, because, you know, I wish that somebody would have um, told me early on, kind of just like this might be the way it happens, you know, and you go into it a, a little blind. But I think that if I did say that we had a standout quality, it would be that we have a great quality product that's useful and innovative. And when a customer calls, we we answer the phone and we say, hey, what are you planning? And we're really, really interested. And that is a very different conversation than any other table cover company is having. I guarantee it because we know that <laughs> for a fact. So I think that people know that we genuinely are interested in 
the experience that they're having because it's special to me as a CEO. It's what we love most, you know, time spent with family and friends. And so, you know, we're not a table cover. We're part of that experience. And I think that's definitely helping, you know, um, create our success today. Well, congratulations on your many successes and the ones to come. Jane Birdwell, thanks so much for joining us for Standout. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Standout. Take a peek at this episode's show notes at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 23. If you'd like to be reminded when new Standout episodes come out, you can sign up for my newsletter at CherylTanMedia.com. Until next time, thanks so much for joining me. I'm Cheryl Tan.